We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Field of 68 Media Network presents Red is the New Orange, a Syracuse basketball podcast. Vince intercepts a pass, breakaway for the freshman guard, he flies and slams! Aerial assault from Judah Vince! Looking to go back door to Bell, they get it to a near corner three, knocks it down! Chris Bell, the sharpshooter! Bringing you everything you need to know out of the 3-1-5. Up top, Williams searches ahead, up with the right hand and in! A pretty up-and-under move from Benny Williams to beat his man. Over to Taylor. He skips into the lane, puts up a floater, and drops in. Let's get it started with your host, Ian Unsworth and Johnny Gadamowitz. Syracuse men's basketball has the week off, but we don't really take breaks here on Red is the New Orange. We've got another edition, Ian Unsworth, slightly under the weather today, but... Who really cares? Johnny Gadamowitz is also here as always. Johnny and I actually just celebrated his birthday last weekend in New York City. I think the LaGuardia Airport's responsible for my sickness, yeah, Johnny. Yeah, I caught, caught up to you a little bit, I see, Ian. But that's okay. We roll on. It's, LaGuardia is a mall with planes. I think maybe the, the consumerism of Christmas got to me. Uh, we're joined today by a special guest, Shane Hoffman, one of my best childhood friends. We went our separate ways for college. I went to Syracuse. Shane went to Oregon, and it just so happens that these two teams are playing this Sunday, 1 p.m. tip-off in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, at the Pentagon, of all places. Yes, it's really an arena shaped like a Pentagon, a cool place for basketball, but neither Oregon nor Syracuse have any connections in South Dakota. So this should be rather interesting in terms of neutral sightness. And Shane, when you think of Syracuse and Oregon, at least for our perspective, the glory days were back in the early 2010s, whether Syracuse had Michael Carter-Williams, Oregon had Dylan Brooks, but Dana Altman is usually pretty good at taking whatever he's got and evolving. It seems like this year's roster has really changed a lot. Yeah, I mean, you talk about evolving, he's had to with this year's roster because of the injuries. Um Early season injuries have been kind of a staple of the past few seasons for Oregon, and they haven't they haven't been to March Madness now in in two plus years. And a big reason is they get behind the eight ball, um, you know, in in, in a tough way in in you know kind of November and December. Uh, this season's been no different. And Fale Dante, who is you know their best player for all intents and purposes, he was a first team All Conference player. Um, he's out two months. He played one game this season. 
Nate Biddle, their backup center, who was then also starting next to him at times. Um, he played a few games. Uh, I believe it was about three, and then he got hurt, and he's out. You know, uh, should be back maybe ahead of this Syracuse game. There's a chance, but he's been out for a month. Um, and they've had, you know, other injuries here and there to some guards. Um, they're fantastic freshmen, who I'm sure we'll talk more about. Jackson Shellstad has re- just returned um, recently. And then um, Jesse Zarzuela, another guard, has been out a few games. So he's had to kind of cobble together lineups. They don't, don't really have any size right now, um, but they're winning. And so, you know, at this juncture, it seems like if they can get guys back and they can kind of start piecing together some lineups, that they might be okay, but we'll see. So then, Shane, I guess sort of a natural follow-up there. I mean, you know, Dante goes down really at the start of the season. You mentioned Biddle, who you can loop in there as well. How did the identity in terms of kind of what this team brings to the table, X's and O's wise, shift the moment that those two injuries occurred, particularly Dante? Well, it's as simple as they were a team that wanted to play inside out. And now they've had to, you know, switch that on its head completely and rely on a pretty deep group of guards. That's the nice thing here is that um, despite the fact that they're, you know, sorely lacking size, their only, you know, quote unquote big man that they have is is Mo Diawara, who transferred in this year. Um, and then they have this, you know, this another great freshman, Kwame Evans, but he's more of a forward. So they're running these kind of four guard lineups a lot of the time. Um, and so they have, you know, ha- they have some returners in Jermaine Cousinard and Keyshawn Bartholomew, who had both transferred in last season, and they stuck around, um, as well as, you know, Brennan Rigsby, who was a Juco kid. And then this year, they've also added um, Jackson Shellstead, who uh, was, you know, phenomenal high school player in this area, uh, went to Peyton Pritchard's high school. Um, so there's some lineage there. And then they also brought in, uh, you know, a, kind of a more bruising guard, Cario Quinto from Georgia. Jesse Zarzuela from Central Michigan, and then Jadrian Tracy, who is a, a bigger guard, maybe kind of like a forward, can shoot a little bit. He came in um, from Juco as well. So they've got all these kind of interchangeable guys, and I think the struggle for them now is just learning how to play defense with this group and how can they kind of scrape by on the boards as well. Well, at least numbers-wise, Oregon seems to be handling itself well. Top 50 in the country in both offensive and defensive efficiency according to Ken Palm. And when you've got all these guys, right, this mishmash of guards, who's the main scorer if you had to pick one at this point? Because you gave us a bunch of names, Shane, but it doesn't sound like anyone is ready to carry the torch. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I would struggle to answer that because, to be quite honest, they came into the season, like we talked about, knowing that Dante was going to be the number one scorer. Um, And then even, you know, when Biddle was starting at center, he was leading them a lot. That being said, I, I don't know if there needs to be one court, uh, excuse me, torch carrier on this team because you look at this guy. I mean, even look at this roster now. If you take out um, the averages from Dante and Biddle, given that they haven't played in a while, there are, by my count, I think there's six different guys that are scoring at least nine points a game, and then Tracy's right behind him at eight. So they've they've gotten these these guys to buy into where every game now, you know, there's three or four guys in double digits, and it might be you know a different person leading the amount, you know different junctures to be quite honest though the biggest thing um, that's contributed to the success even if they don't have that one kind of go-to score is that they're shooting the three really well they're at 39 percent and 38.8 and the biggest thing you can point to in the last three years of why has this team kind of not fallen off because they're they're winning 20 plus games every season and they you know they've been players in the postseason but why are they not making March Madness runs or making the tournament? It's because they haven't been able to shoot the three. They've been pretty abysmal the last two years. I think it was like 31% 
And so that's up to, you know, close to 39 now. And it, it makes all the difference. They're able to, you know, really competently score now. So again, top 50 in offense, top 50 in defense, they're starting to figure it out. Oregon still yet to play a Pac-12 game. They've got their conference opener coming up against USC at the end of the month. But Shane, you look at the results, and, and even despite those injuries, relatively speaking, they've weathered the storm. Seven and through to not seven and two through nine games so far. Really, the only blip on their radar that Emerald Coast Classic, where Santa Clara took them down, and then a single point, single digit loss to a ranked Bama team. Between those two games at the tail end of November that did not go the Ducks' way, were there any sort of commonalities, any sort of themes as far as what went wrong that, from a Syracuse standpoint, the Orange can try to replicate come this weekend? Well, they they got Oregon in shootouts both times. Uh, Both of those teams have guards that are are really talented you know Santa Clara had you know I think it was Adama Ball who used to be at Arizona and he had 20 plus nearly 30 points against them and then you know we all kind of know about the the litany of of guards and and three-point scorers that Bama's been able to put together on those rosters over the last few years and it's interesting because the past few years as I kind of started alluding to with the three-point shooting there Oregon is a team that's always been a good defensive team under Allman. That's how his teams win, and that's what he preaches. He's not going to run some sort of complicated offense, and he's not even been known to really develop players on offense in any kind of special way. They kind of just rise to the occasion. But defensively, um, they just struggled in those games. They got into shootouts, and they were scoring, you know, high 80s, even, you know, 90 points um, in one of those games. And that's something you weren't seeing in the past, but at the same time, it's it's rare that they would lose a game like that either. So I think if you really can get this this kind of team into a in, into a track meet and and try to maybe kind of bruise them uh, a little bit down low when you when it does slow down in the half court, you know, because that's the thing is they're they're fast, they can shoot it, but at the at, at the same time, you know, the rotation's a little bit smaller right now, and they have to play harder to be quite honest to make up for the lack of size. Other thing we should mention about the lack of size, Oregon's best big man when it came to rating and pro potential last year, Khalil Ware, hit the portal and left for Indiana. So that's another big piece that Dana Altman doesn't have. I saw they were playing a walk-on against Cal Baptist as as like a pseudo-five. Well, here's the thing I'll say about Khalil Ware. Um, I think you were alluding to his maybe his draft stock there. Because he was absolutely not the most productive um, or most well-rounded big they had on the roster. I just and meant as someone, when you, right. when you looked at the Oregon roster last absolutely. year, he was a McDonald's All-American, you know, and like all the, he had all the accolades. So that's 100%. why him hitting the portal made such a big splash. It did. And, and, and to be quite honest, I think it was just more than anything, just a, a tough fit. You know, Kellowell brings a few things that... Um, really stand out with his shot blocking and his ability as kind of a vertical athlete as a, as a, you know, lob catcher. Um, but he was the only freshman on that team last year and Altman during practices would just call him freshman and he would kind of single him out a lot and not to where he ran him out of town and, and you know, by any means, but there's, there's a long history of, you know, one and done type of talents coming to Eugene and not being one and done type of talents when it's all said and done, they, they don't move on. They don't live. I mean, there's, there's several examples in recent years. And so, um, to see him enter wasn't a shock, but to your point, I mean, he would be playing, you know, 20 plus minutes a game for this team easily because they're just shorthanded down there. And even their lone big man, I think he's like six, eight, six, nine, Mo Diawara. 
Yeah, and Cooper's what six seven, and he's just he's just a walk on. So. Right, which is which is funny. They had to do this last year. They played Gabe Reichel a lot, a guard. I think he had something like seven three point attempts in one of their games, um, and they somehow won that game. I think it was against Phil Nova last year. Um, so when you see these guys out there, I mean, part of you is like, well, that's that's kind of cool that these guys are getting a chance, but at the same time, it, it's indicative of where the roster is. Shane, I want to ask you about Altman. Obviously, you know, you rewind to mid-2010s, racking up the accolades, Oregon teams that were consistent year out, year in, year out. You mentioned how the past couple of years, the injury bug has sort of bitten this Ducks program. Uh, amongst the fan base, to what extent are they willing to kind of give Altman that wiggle room and, and benefit of the doubt? You mentioned the lack of NCAA tournament appearances over the course of the past few years. Or is there a real sense of of a desire for more, even with, you know, the the tough hand that they've been dealt as of recently? You know, I'm glad you asked. I think the goalposts have moved as Almonds had just, you know, consistent success year after year. Because you look at their last two seasons that were, you know, really viewed as huge disappointments in Eugene. And the turnout to games was pretty poor. There just wasn't much buzz around the team. Almonds not particularly um, an, an elite, you know, promoter I guess you could say in an age where some some coaches are I mean I think you guys all kind of think of a few few people there's one down at Arkansas that definitely comes to my mind um but you know you look at those seasons and they would be you know some teams best seasons in a decade and so like I said the goalposts are moving and I think because of that and because of success he's had there, there is some leeway there but there was a pretty notable shift at the end of last season, they got knocked out in the NIT final by Wisconsin. And um, Ullman had this kind of, I don't know if I call it a rant afterwards, but he kind of just went off on this long, long, long tangent about how, um, you know, if it's me, I'll leave. Um, you know, the, that he doesn't want to have to promote the program, that, you know, the play should promote the program, that guys just weren't sticking around working hard enough. I mean, just kind of a, a, a wide ranging. Um, was it, was it a boomer rant? A little bit, we, yeah. We've been through a few of those, let me tell you. Yeah, right. So he had that moment, and that was a little bit of kind of a look in the mirror moment, I think, um, where he even came back, and even at the end of it, he's like, you guys are going to skewer me. Please don't, you know, do me too dirty and in your in your stories and whatnot. Um, that but, never happened at Syracuse. Let's no. put that there was no rescinding <laughs> of comments at Syracuse. But um, he's had his nights where he kind of just, hops in the car he says and just drives down the highway and, and you know thinks about the things and I think it's been a big big period of reflection these last few years so I think they need to have success this year in a really meaningful way I think they need to make the tournament because again you, the goalposts move but then it's <laughs> they don't shift back right away right until you kind of overhaul this thing so it's going to keep being high expectations in this in this city and um, I, I think what helps too is that they have um, some hometown kids. Jackson Shellstad's been fantastic since he came back from injury. I mean, he's only played at this point five games, but he's averaging 12 games, shooting 42% from three. He's instantly kind of given them juice and transition with his speed. And then the other one is Mookie Cook, who is their top recruit they brought in. He hasn't played yet. He's supposed to play at some point this month, maybe early January but he's been out with an injury also and, and he had gone and played at a prep school but he's from Portland originally as well so I think that's that's giving this team some some juice in terms of the local angle well we'll see if Oregon gets those guys back we're going to zero in a bit more on this SU Oregon matchup after a words from our friends at BetMGM 
As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So let's dive into the nitty gritty here. Syracuse and Oregon, 1 p.m. this Sunday. Ian Unsworth, Johnny Gadamwitz, and Shane Hoffman of the I-5 Corridor. We should say 1 p.m. East Coast, Ian. Yes, 1 p.m. East Coast, like (laughs) brunch time for any Oregonians out there who happen to be tuning into our podcast, probably because of Shane's pretty face. Um, So we talked a lot about Oregon's bevy of guards. However, they have to stop Judamitz. The hard-charging, I mean, Rambo, if we're being completely honest, once he puts the ball on the floor and attacks the paint, he's going to put it up and put it in or get fouled. Shane, how does Oregon handle someone like Judah? We said earlier, I mean, there's been some high-scoring guards in those two losses that have hurt this team. I, I do think they are equipped to 
to guard a, a dynamic guard. The problem is is they just don't have rim protection. So it makes me wonder if if Judah Mintz could be set up for a pretty big game. Um, again, he's going to have fresh bodies switching on to him the entire afternoon because you know whether or not it's Oregon choosing to swap bodies or it's just pick and roll switches. I mean, they're just they're all small guys that can stick with the guard. I'd imagine they start with Jermaine Cousinard on him. But again, I could see any of these guys really like a quicker, faster Shellstad, a bigger, more kind of brawny Oquendo. Um, and, and I think they'll just rotate from there. But again, if he's able to consistently get in the paint, I think he's he could have, you know, 20 plus because, again, there's just not much size down there. And, and, and you know, I think some of these guards and forwards play above their size defensively. But at the end of the day, I mean, an elite guard is an elite guard and he's going to be able to score on these guys at some point. Syracuse is coming off of back-to-back games where they have played two rather up-tempo, let's call it, teams in Cornell, and then Georgetown, who likes to shoot and take a lot of threes. The Orange did their job in limiting Georgetown from connecting on all those opportunities from beyond the arc. But Shane, as far as the tempo goes, you mentioned obviously this being a a guard-heavy lineup and, and the size not necessarily checking all the boxes. And I guess a similar narrative can sort of be applied from a Syracuse standpoint as well. Naheem McLeod, the orange big man who has seen limited minutes, particularly in these track meet style games. Do you see this kind of being a situation where Oregon tries to beat Syracuse at its own game, so to speak, in terms of getting up and down the court, who can do it more effectively? I could see that. You know, I I think this team is leaning into – um, it's speed and the ability to play in transition more than it has in years past, just because of the personnel. And um, this team reminds me a lot of Oregon's. Um, so twenty, I'm trying to get my years now. It's 2021. It was the year after the pandemic started, so we had that kind of weird locked down March Madness, and that was when they upset the the second seed Iowa Hawkeyes and then Luca Garza that year, and they played a five out um, where they just shot the hell out of the three ball and just ran. And this team is starting to give me kind of making me reminisce on that team a little bit. So I could certainly see that. But at the end of the day, you know, Altman's teams tend to settle into that kind of, they like to play in the high 60s to low 70s. And that's, you know, many college football, or excuse me, college basketball programs. Um, But they're not going to be one of these teams consistently downing uh, their opposition with, you know, 85 and, you know, hitting 15 threes per se and something like that. Um, So I actually am curious to see how that works because, because Oregon has feasted against some slower teams, but they haven't, you know, outside of that, the Emerald Classic that you said, um, I believe that's what it's called, um, with with Santa Clara and Alabama, they haven't played a ton of up-tempo teams yet, at least on the same skill level. Yeah, I I would say that Alabama is probably the up-tempo of up-tempo teams, and probably Nate Oates, hey, started his career. Buffalo, he's probably the best at, at teaching that sort of style. We didn't talk about it a whole lot, but the three-point shooting of Oregon, one of its best facets, only one really clunker when it comes from shooting behind the arc of four of 17 showing against UTEP. Um, did UTEP do anything specifically to stop Oregon from hitting the three, or was that just a you know one-off bad game? It was a one-off bad game, I think. I mean, Utah, UTEP was not tremendously talented. Um, it was a weird game. I mean, it was not very busy in there um, again that's been this thing is they're just trying to get it back and buzzing where you know the fans want to come see this team and it doesn't help that there's not a, a number in front of the team right a, a ranking um but you, if you just like even just looking down kind of the the counting stats i mean there's just guys that 
have good numbers in that category this year, whereas the past few years, they just haven't. I mean, you know, there's some guys that I think will come back down to earth, right? I mean, you know, you got four guys above, you know, 42% right now. I don't see that happening the entire season, but it's a promising start. So there's not necessarily anyone who's like a dead-eye shooter shooter per se. Guys have just found their footing early on when it comes to, you know, taking threes. Because Syracuse against Cornell let up a ton of open threes and Georgetown took a pretty decent amount too it just so happens they didn't go in but Syracuse at times and especially with the you know the new man-to-man you'll see some zone every once in a while they will give up open threes just because they're still getting used to switching and handling pick and roll oh someone left the weak side open and there's an open three-point shot I mean there's going to be chances to your point and and Oregon is only going to play one player that isn't competent beyond the arc in this game, that'll be Mo Diawara. Um, and he might not even play all that much, to be honest. He's only averaging about 17 minutes a game. Um, often they're running, you know, Kwame Evans at their center spot or Jadrian Tracy as like the big quote unquote. And, you know, those guys are closer to 20 points a game and both of them can, excuse me, 20 minutes a game and both can, can shoot it a little bit. Um, so I think there'll be opportunities, you know, in terms of like, who is the dead eye, uh, Brennan Rigsby's been off to a just a insanely hot start. I mean, he's shooting fifty two percent from three, and, and he is a great shooter. He was consistently one of their better ones last year. Tracy's at forty six, and then Shell said at forty two, and and he's a guy that'll hurt you off the dribble with it too. Whereas you know, uh, Tracy's more of a catch and shoot guy. Rigsby is a little bit more off the dribble, but especially Shellstead with his speed and his ball handling. Um, he was just a, a just a killer pull-up shooter from everywhere in, in high school, and, and it's kind of looking like it's translating already. It seems like this is the longest stretch that the Ducks have gone this year with the same starting five. They've gone three straight games with the same five. Rigsby, Shellstead, Cousinard, Evans, and Diawara. Shane, is it safe to say that, you know, weathering the storm with all these injuries, that is the group? moving forward or is this still a very much all hands on deck mix and match kind of experiment even as far as the starters go Allman's never been afraid to switch up lineups uh that being said when he finds a groove he likes to just ride them and I, he was three four years ago at this point he found this weird jumbo lineup that made no sense on paper it had like three bigs damn near in it uh they were playing like a four out of three and and then it worked. I mean, they won like eight of 10 and then ended up in the in the tournament. So he, you know, when he locks in on something, he'll ride it. I think, you know, Zarzuela is supposed to come back soon. Although Shellstads look so good, I'm not sure Zarzuela will get his starting job back, to be quite honest. Um, but that being said, you know, those five will start and you'll see, uh, you'll see subs quick and often. I mean, there's going to be, there's, there's going to be a ton of different kind of rotations with these guards that they like to do. Um, they'll have, you know, any three to four of them out there at any given time. Um, so it's not a group, uh, you know, where it's going to be like a hockey sub thing. And it's also not going to be one where they just ride that one line up too long. So I guarantee like, you they won't end with that group. Let me put it that way. That's fair. On the Shellstad topic, Syracuse had Joe Girard. Same sort of deal. Girard was probably the greatest scorer in New York high school basketball. Comes to Syracuse. Plays pretty well his freshman year, all things considered. Becomes a starter by what, Johnny? Game three, game four. Jalen Carey wasn't helping SU play winning basketball, so he rode the bench for the rest of the year. Oh, yeah. And then after his freshman year, Gerard kind of just tailed off. He didn't seem like he improved that much. 
He's playing well this year at Clemson, but at Syracuse, the pressure, just the, you know, the the voices, I think all of that kind of got to him. At Oregon, with first Peyton Pritchard and now Shellstad, it doesn't seem to be the case. What helps make those hometown guys so effective at Oregon? Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds so cliche, and as a sports writer, I hate to say it, but they had just these killer work ethics. I mean, Pritchard was known as this guy who would be, you know, dri- like literally dribbling until his hands bled, um, or practicing dribbling, I should say. Uh, or, you know, I know people that were in this, his apartment building in undergrad and would catch him at, you know, midnight in the gym and they were just dribbling on a weekend, right? So these just ca- crazy work ethics and then just this kind of killer mentality. And so Pritchard brought that for years. I mean, he stole, there was a senior starting at point guard when he got there all those years ago. And he he told him, and he talked about this to me, he was like, I'm going to take your job. And then he did it. Um, and then he had a huge role on that final four team. Moving forward, um, he ended up being one of the best players ever to play in this program, and especially his senior year. It was just a, a tour de force. He, I think he scored 20 plus on every single Pac-12 um, team at one point that year. Um, Shellstad grew up idolizing him. Uh, that was his mentor. And I see a lot of similarities there. He's not quite as brawny yet and, and put together, but he's he's much faster. He's much more athletic. Um, and so he brings this really scary mix of just that kind of killer mentality with a knockdown pull-up jumper and a really tight handle to the point where I guess I'm not surprised that Shellstad's had such a strong start and he hits this, just this super deep three to win it against Michigan at the buzzer. And again, I'm, I'm sitting at, at home for that one and I, I, I wasn't too shocked. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Shellstad, a guy who can make the orange pay from downtown. Another guy who we mentioned briefly earlier, Shane, but want to ask you a little bit more about now is Jermaine Cousinard. Um, you know, what, one of the guys who is certainly a focal point of what this Ducks team likes to do on both ends. What, what does he kind of bring to the table from, from an Oregon standpoint? You mentioned the both ends. I mean, he's, he's a great two-way player. Um, he, he's He's older. He's been around. He came over from South Carolina ahead of last season, and then he dealt with kind of nagging injuries last season. Again, a theme. Um, he's settling in around 37% from three, which is where I could see him being for most of the season. Um, he's pretty well-rounded in that he he doesn't get too locked in on any one thing offensively. He can play make a little bit. Um, he He's kind of just the in a lot of ways, the steadying force with a group of kind of you know, hodgepodge just thrown together with all these guards. Um He's the guy that I think at times, um, you know, against Michigan, it was Shellstad, but I think it towards the end of the game, 
they wouldn't mind if he's the one kind of creating out of out of some looks. So we'll keep an eye out for both Shellstad and Cousinard. Shane, rebounding, an X factor for both of these teams. People have always complained that Syracuse never rebounded well out of the zone. And Oregon, over its past, what, four or five games, has sort of tailed down on the rebounding size side just because of a lack of size at that point. How does Oregon rebound at a higher clip? Well, it helps that they've got a coach who's a stickler for it. I mean, I mentioned uh, Allman his defense earlier. Defense and rebounding is this this coach's you know lifeblood in a lot of ways, and he just doesn't play guys that don't hustle and and don't you know really grind. And I think that's probably where some of the um, frustration arose with Kalawera a, a year ago. Um, again, it sounds cliche, but it's just got to be a team effort. I mean, they're just, they're never going to be outsizing people until they get their big guys back. I mean, once you get Biddle back and then, you know, subsequently Dante, it's the issue is kind of erased all of a sudden. I mean, in Dante's lone game, he had 21 rebounds against Georgia. Um, that being said, until then, they have to rely, uh, especially on a guy like Kwame Evans to rebound, on a guy like Chadron Tracy, who are these wings with a little bit more size. Um, you know, again, if they get a Mookie Cook back, he's like six, 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 seven. They just have to, they have to gang rebound um, and they have to kind of just like, crash in a lot of ways. And then that being said, I think they want to, because it's, it's been so easy to, you know, get transition offense out of missed shots that I think, you know, if you can kind of convince these guards, like, Hey, the payoff is on the other end of the court. If we can just get the damn ball, we'll get down there quick, you know? That seems to be the way Syracuse could could convince its guards to rebound because, hey, the Orange want to run up and down the court. We'll see if the Sioux Falls showdown, I don't even know if there's a, there's not a name for it. They just happen to be playing some neutral site game. We'll see if it turns into the Sioux Falls shootout between Oregon and Syracuse. Shane, thank you again for your time and, and all the insight on the Ducks. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on. F68 underscore Cuse is the place to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Ionzi underscore. Johnny is at Johnny Gwitz. And Shane is Shane underscore Hoffman. Two Fs, two Ns. If you want any more insight on Oregon Ducks basketball or Oregon State for that matter, you can check out his work at the I-5 corridor. Make sure also to check out the Field of 68 after dark and the podcast network both on youtube and twitter and thank you so much for sticking with us including my raspy voice until the end here enjoy your weekend yeah i've got plenty more johnny enjoy your weekend guys and go cubes everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.